RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Fire up the pizza oven and save some room for red velvet cake. Oh, just don't end up tossing it out on the floor because you're racked with guilt. Don't do that. It's Monday night at 7 p.m. And that must mean it's Mission Log Live. I'm Rekha Sharma. And I'm John Champion. Hey, I tell you what, why don't you sit a spell and see your old friends. We'll gather around the table and share tales of yesterday. And while we're at it, we might even freak out a young woman about the very nature of her existence. But hey, there's fresh bunny corn sausage. Yes, and like a good uh, starship uh, crew reunion, there's a better way to say that, like a good family <laughs> reunion, bridge crew, that's what I was trying to say, like there you a go. good bridge crew reunion, we'd love to hear what you have to say. You can join us very easily by clicking on the Zoom meeting link, Think, oh, can't talk. Or by using the one tap from your smartphone, or you can just dial us up at 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting code that you see on your screen. That's right. Now, I know you're all getting warmed up in the chat. We'll we'll say hello in there in just a minute. And uh, all you need to do to bring your thoughts to us face-to-face, you know what to do. Just like Rekha said, click on the link or use the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 669-900-6833, enter the meeting code, and we will be here to chat with you. Yes, and a big thank you for you to you for turning. Yeah, I really can't talk tonight. I give up. Uh, you might be joining us live right now at facebook.com slash mission log pod or at youtube.com slash Roddenberry pod. You might be watching this video later or you might be picking up the audio only podcast later. But either way, we do appreciate you joining us even when I can't speak. All we ask is that you hit like, you hit share, and you tell others to join us for this mission log party. Yeah, what up? (laughs) So uh, those of you who have joined us so far for the mission log party, thank you. Thank you so much. I see you saying hello in the chat. There's Carlos. There's Robert. uh, There's Steve. There's Danielle. Wow, Steve uh, saying hello to both of us all the way from England. Our Mission Log listeners are everywhere. That's so cool. Uh, we got Nick. We got Chuck. We got John. We got Craig saying, hey, Reka and John, thanks once again for what I anticipate will be another amazing episode of Mission Log. We certainly hope so. Uh, we got Bob. We got David. David David says he is warmed up like a wood-fired oven. woo Yeah, that's good. We got uh, Dominique uh, uh, from uh, Stovacor. So uh, good to have you joining us. We got uh, we got Scott Palm. What's up, Scott? We got Danielle. Uh, we got uh, Chris. We got everybody hanging out and uh, ready to chat Picard with us because I, I I just feel like see I feel like people are just going to call in and we're going to ask them what they felt about this week's Picard and they're just going to say oh. It was it was so nice, and th- there was so much hugging, and it was beautiful, and uh, may- maybe there's more to it than that. We'll we'll see. <laughs> I think there is. So uh, you know what to do. Give us a call. Click on the link, and uh, we will be happy to chat with you. Um, Reka, we have mm-hmm. a few upcoming things to talk about, and yeah. then uh, we'll get into the poll. We'll get into the recap. Uh, so just very quickly, I will let everybody know. WonderCon in Anaheim. I will be hosting a panel there called Star Trek and Social Activism. Uh, That will be Saturday night, April 11th at 8.30 p.m. I hope that if you're coming to WonderCon, you will come to that. I know the hour is a little weird, but listen to this lineup. John Billingsley, Dr. Flox from Enterprise, Robert Hewitt Wolf, producer, writer on Deep Space Nine, and David Livingston, producer and director from TNG, DS9, I believe Voyager as well. Uh, he just worked on a lot of the, uh, those you know, 24th century Star Trek shows of the 90s. We'll be talking about Star Trek and social activism, particularly homelessness. Uh, Robert Hewitt Wolf wrote the episodes uh, Past Tense, Part 1 and 2 from DS9. John Billingsley, uh, of course, uh, social activist and heavily involved with Hollywood Food Coalition. And David Livingston uh, has been doing an incredible photo series capturing 
homelessness uh, here in LA. So we will have quite the presentation and uh, I hope that you will join us there. We will also record it and we will release it as a podcast and video cast. But if you're down there in person, please, please, please join us. Uh, and then a few weeks after that, the Nichelle Nichols Farewell Convention in Burbank, May 1st through the 3rd. I know that uh, people from Roddenberry will definitely be on site the 2nd and the 3rd. The 3rd, which is that Sunday, will be a TOS tribute day specifically, and there will be a, uh, a Roddenberry podcast panel on that day. So we hope that you will join us there. Um, I have no fine. idea what my schedule is like. You're so informed and I am not, but I'll be there too. <laughs> so come meet me. And be like, there. Yeah. Yes. Are you going to be there uh, both days of the weekend? Are you going to be there? I just said I know nothing. Oh, okay. All right. Well. <laughs> Do you want to ask me more questions about what I know about that weekend? What hours will you be there, Reka? Don't know. Okay, cool. What are you doing there, no. Reka? Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You'll be somewhere no. in the Burbank area. No idea. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I'll find out and I'll, I'll like let Please everybody let know. know. Okay. I'll let you know. Then I'll let everybody else know. Thanks. Hey, and then here's a fun thing. If you didn't catch it, uh, based on this week's episode, Nepenthe, friend of the show, Aaron Harvey, posted a great video. Uh, look for youtube.com slash geek filter, just like it sounds, geek filter, little house on Nepenthe. It will warm your heart. And there are some great jokes in there. So check it out. It's this little trailer, little opening credit sequence for this new show that we hope to see one day. Fun. Yeah. Now, as we do every week, we ask you a poll question. Reka, I'm going to ask you to tell everybody about the results of last week's poll question, then I'll be back with uh, the results of this week's poll question. Okay. Last week, <clears throat> we were talking about one of my favorite topics. The, uh, what, what do we like more of the troublesome, slow-moving gas cloud? Do we like Beverly's ghost? Or do we like Narek's Cube? <laughs> Came in pretty strongly with Beverly's Ghost. And uh, I still don't know anything about this gas cloud, but I've been told it's better to just leave well enough alone. <laughs> You're probably right. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I, I cannot argue with the, uh, the poll results. Beverly's Ghost is a very troubling, slow-moving gas cloud. Um, Narek's Cube... Slow moving, but look, if you have the strength to punch through a floor, then yeah. you can get away from it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, this week, we asked you, after the whole synth and Romulan crisis ends, when this is all over, what should Soji do? Should she hang with Picard or should she go live with the Rikers? Well, I think pretty obvious here how we have this split Hang with Picard, 25% of you say so. Live with the Rikers, 75% of you. Um, any feelings about that, Reka, strongly one way or the other? Yeah, just uh, on the heels of International Women's Day, I did notice that uh, their son's name on his little plaque in the desk was Troy Riker. Mm-hmm. Thaddeus Troy Riker. Yeah. So in the name of equality, I'm going to say live with the Troy Rikers. <laughs> nice. All right. <laughs> Good call. Good call. And they're just, they're, they're so damn wholesome. You know, I want to see Soji have this kind of happiness in I her know. life. Yeah. And like her little sister was the big, best big sister anyone could ask a little sister to be. How cool is she? Love her. You know, just from like a production standpoint, like if you have a role for a child, everything hinges on casting that child right. And uh, she is just wonderful. Yeah. She was great. They scored. So, yeah. So we have so many people who are lined up to chat with us tonight. I cannot awesome. wait to get to you and your comments. So uh, if you'll indulge me, I'll just go right into the recap, okay? Oh, wait, but can I yep. stop you? Oh, please, please. I just wanted to mention my friend. Uh, oh, oh, right, right. I have really exciting news. I don't know if any of you know the amazing uh, writer, Mark Bernardin, uh, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter is, is the French spelling, M-A-R-C, Bernardin. And he is a fantastic human being, an incredibly talented writer, and just like, 
he's got those Star Trek principles that makes us family. He's got those, uh, he's just a good person. Nice. And, and he just announced today on Instagram that not only for his very first writing sort of contest thing that he did, that a teacher of his uh, sent his way, he wrote a spec episode of TNG. Ah, but now cool. he's having a full circle moment because today was his first day as supervising producer on Star Trek Picard. Nice. That is so awesome. It's so awesome. And, you know, if you guys are on Twitter and Instagram, give him a follow. He uh, is a wonderful part of this community and such an uplifting, important voice in the world, I think. so. Excellent. Well, I look forward to what he brings to Picard. Yeah. That's so cool. All right. All right. Maybe we'll we'll get more time with the Rikers with him and more uh, more recipes. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, here we go. Uh, Speaking of Picard, here's what happened on Nepenthe. Flashback. Three weeks ago at the Daystrom Institute when Dr. Gerardi was visited by Commander O, who performed a mind meld to let Agnes see what a world overrun with synthetic life forms would be like. Horror, destruction, explosions, close-ups on eyes. Agnes is horrified, and she succumbs to O's demand that she swallow a tracking device that will allow Starfleet to keep an eye on her and Picard. Oh, no, she didn't. Oh, yes, she did. (laughs) Outside the artifact, present day, La Sirena is trying to break free of the tractor beam that has them Inside, Nerissa is torturing Hugh by killing off XBs in an attempt to get him to tell her where Picard went with Soji. It's brutal, but he doesn't crack, and once Narek is ready to follow La Serena, they let the ship go anyway. Only Elnor chooses to stay behind and help Hugh, who is really going to need an ally right now. And now, welcome to Nepenthe. Picard and Soji materialize to be greeted by a fearsome warrior of the woods, Not really. This is Kestra, Will Riker, and Deanna Troy's young daughter, who has found them. On the way to the Riker residence, we learn that Kestra is precocious and creative, and Soji learns for the first time that she is an android, which is going to necessitate some processing on her part, no pun intended, though fully appreciated. (laughs) At the Riker residence, it's beautiful, warm, friendly. Will is cooking. All are delighted to be reunited with Picard and offer to help in any way with whatever he's gotten himself into. There's some sadness, though. The Rikers had one other child, Kestra's older brother, Thaddeus, who passed away. He was the one who created fun, made-up languages and backstories, things that Kestra has taken and run with. Picard is aware that he doesn't want to interrupt their lives and put anyone in danger. He and Soji will move on as soon as they can. Will is on to it, though. He figures out mostly what's going on. Deanna has her own approach, befriending Soji. Soji is awfully hurt. She's lost her trust, and Picard doesn't exactly make it better. With La Sirena being followed and Captain Rios trying as best he can to take evasive action, Agnes pipes up that maybe, just maybe, they should call the whole thing off and go back home. She's at a breaking point and leave it to Raffi to help calm her frayed nerves with cake. Lots of cake. As she's eating herself to sickness while bending Raffi's sympathetic ear, Rio shares the bad news that their follower is still following somehow. Meanwhile, back on the artifact, cue the fight scene as Hugh and Elnor try to make it back to the Queen's cell and the technology hidden there. Nerissa and her guards try to stop them, and they are successful to an extent. Hugh is a casualty while Nerissa happens to beam away at the last second, leaving Elnor to hopefully find a few XBs who aren't dead to help him get to safety. Round two at the Rikers. The conversation around the dinner table concerns where Picard goes next and how. Rios isn't there yet, and Kestra suggests some geezer she knows in town called Captain Crandall, who might be able to get them to wherever they're going, which is where exactly? Soji tells him about Narek walking her through the meditation and the two red moons. Sure enough, Crandall texts Kestra back that he knows the place. It's in the Vate sector. Back on La Sirena, Rios, oddly enough, is having a private conversation about how he thinks Raffi might be a mole planted by the Romulans. 
when he goes back to the bridge, Agnes is so clearly distraught by what's happening that she decides to inject herself with a neurotoxin in order to rid herself of the tracker. It works. Neric loses the signal, but now Agnes is in a coma. Elner's day is getting considerably more complicated. He's trapped in a corner on the Borg cube with seemingly no way out until he spots the calling card of the Fenris Raiders. One Raider in particular, maybe cue a guest star for next week? Good news, Rios is getting closer to Nepenthe finally, and Riker will arrange a transporter window with some time to spare. The two old friends have a heartfelt conversation Maybe Picard doesn't need to save the galaxy anymore. Maybe it's okay if he just retires. But far be it from Will Riker to actually suggest such a thing. He knows better, and Picard knows that he knows better. Finally, Kestra and Soji chat before the next phase of the mission. Soji is a person without a home, without a family. But Kestra says she could. She could choose Picard, who is there and cares. And before Soji and Picard beam away before their next stop, the Rikers come out to say goodbye, hugs all around, two to beam up, the end. You know, Reka, this is a a uh, a feelings episode, not as much a plot episode. There are the many plot points, uh, but I, I feel like I wanted to leave out some of the the deep feeling moments here because I feel like our callers are going to get to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I just really wanted to hit kind of the bullet point uh, uh, plot points, and now I just feel like. We should just get right to our first caller. I've got a Let's lot of people lined up. Yeah. We're Chris, the Vice Admiral, Egan, Jeff, Rhea, Ed, Mike, so many people. We are just, we're going to get to everybody, I promise you. So uh, without further ado, let's say hi to Chris. Chris, what's up, man? Hey, John. Hey, Rick. Good to see you both. Hey, uh, good to see yeah, you. Yeah, I thought this was a great episode to call in. You know, obviously I love the TNG callbacks. It's good to see Will and Marina again. But more yes. than that, I think this episode serves as a really nice sort of bookend to a two-parter with last week. So last week we see Picard sort of dealing with the external trauma of his sort of PTSD of being assimilated by the Borg and how he deals with that. And this week we see him deal with some more internal things. Mm -hmm. You know, one of Picard's, if you can say Picard is a failure, I'd say would be that he's not really a people person and that he likes to sort of hide behind his rank to avoid Mm. that. Is I don't have to be friends with you if I'm your commanding officer, or I don't have to be friends with you if you are younger than me. In the case of you know children, adolescents, and you get a little, <laughs> you get both of that with Soji, and he's still trying to treat this as like the mission. He's like, I'm in charge, and there's a plan that we have to stick to. The plan may be shot to hell, but we're going to try and stick to the plan regardless. And I like that this week we take you know Picard's arguably two closest friends, Will and Deanna. The only people who can really come up to him and say, hey, snap out of it. Like, I know that you like to sort of hide behind the pips, but that's not what needs to happen right now. That's not what this girl needs right now. And Deanna says that. I forget the exact line, but she basically says she doesn't need a captain. She needs a friend. She needs Jean-Luc, the you know caring, compassionate man. So mm-hmm. I think this episode is a really nice turning point for the season, or I think we're going to get back to sort of the human qualities that we like about Picard, and I hope we're going to see that carry through through the end of the season and then into seasons further on. Yeah, man, it, you want a hosting job because you you <laughs> cleared all that better than I ever could. That that is so spot on. Um, you nailed what it is that I think is so fascinating about seeing Picard grow. We've had a lot of Picard over the last 30 years, and yet there's still new stuff to mine with that character, and they're finding it in this series. And the other thing uh, that I want to mention really quickly is you um, you drew a parallel, maybe without thinking about it, or maybe you did, that I really wanted to point out. This episode, to me, is family from TNG, which also followed a two-parter with all of the external trauma and horror of Picard being assimilated by the Borg. And what did you have to do after that episode or after that two-parter? Take Picard back home, dump him off in Labar, and just spend an episode with him trying to reconnect with his family, trying to find his humanity after this terrible thing. This episode 
I think perfectly parallels that where you just had two episodes with all this physical trauma, all this horror. And now you get to just sort of take a breather and find the family and, and personal emotional heart of this whole story by doing that. And, and that's just immediately where my mind went watching this. And, and I love it. I love it so much. Um, Reka, any, uh, any follow-up feedback to that? Uh, no, I think you guys have, have said it all. Uh, I'm just in the same very, very happy camp of, of all of this <laughs> connectivity and growth and, and, you know, people, I guess I am talking now, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I love that the Picard gets to, we need our community. We need the people in our lives who know us and love us with all of our flaws to call us on our bullshit. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Swore I wasn't gonna swear. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but that's you know that's what we need in it, and I I just love that that and that he takes it and he takes it with grace, mm. and um, and it's given with love. It's delivered with love, and uh, yeah. it just that in stark contrast to. Uh, you know, all these secrets and lies and so many lies upon lies that you make yourself throw up. Like, yeah, you know, uh, to be in front of people who know you and who you can't lie in front of is uh, gold. Yeah. Uh, Chris, any other thoughts tonight? Uh, yeah, just sort of going off what you guys saying more generally about the show as a whole. I really like, you know, sort of this idea we've been talking about where it's not just, TNG reruns. I can go watch TNG reruns. I know what that's like. This is, we have themes and ideas from TNG and well, let's update them and bring them forward. You like this, you know, idea of this sort of thematic sense of TNG, but let's change it. Let's do something different. And so, yeah, this, that I think uh, the show as a whole has been doing a really good job of that, of sort of, you know, taking the bits and threads that matter and are important both to the characters and to the audience and sort of weaving new and interesting stories with them. Well said, my friend. Well said. Hey, uh, there's so many people to get to, and uh, I hate to cut it short with you, but I I hope that you will call back, okay? Of course. You know it. All right. Take it easy, my friend. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Um, Hey, Reka, before we get to the next caller, uh, just looking in the chat here, and Karen, who has called in a few times before, love talking Uh to Karen. She's awesome. Says, uh, sounds like too many to call in. I I hope not maybe we'll we'll see we're going to try to get to everybody i was going to bring up bunnycorn gate and i didn't know that there was a scandal about uh bunnycorn sausage I, I had no idea partly because i specifically stay away from reading anything on the internet before we do a show uh partly because there's so much negativity and partly because i don't want anybody else's uh, input to influence what I want to talk about. So maybe after right. I've written it, I'll, I'll go read something else. But um, had no idea. Scandals brewing? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, so, uh, um, yeah. I also have no idea what's going on out there. Yeah, at all. You don't even know when you're going to be in Burbank. How, how could we expect you to know about Bunnycorn Gate? Where am I right now? <laughs> Where are you indeed? We'll, we'll send somebody to find you. <laughs> hey, hey let's welcome. Uh, <laughs> you're right there. Let's welcome back to the show uh, someone who outranks us all. It's the Vice Admiral. <laughs> welcome back to the show, Vice Admiral. How's it going tonight? Oh, just great. How are you two doing? Good. You're doing all right. I mean, well, when we find Reka, we'll let you know how she's doing. Fair enough. Well, that's important. <laughs> Just looking around. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be found soon. Yes, uh, we hope so. Uh, Let me what's, know. On your, what's on your mind tonight, sir? Well, um, so much on this one, of course. But uh, if we build on what Chris was saying earlier, the, uh, the the whole there's a lot of family aspects here. There's a lot of um, uh, community aspects. But one thing I was thinking is that you know one of the one of the hallmarks of Picard in both next gen and then uh, even in the first few episodes of this is he really isn't a good parent, mm. right? That's the one aspect of command that, that didn't 
necessarily enter into it, right? He was not a very paternal commanding officer, mm-hmm. and uh, especially yeah. when it came to actual children, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and you have him mentioning that more than once. You had the Picard Day poster. You had him say a couple of things early on about how he's bad with kids, including about Elnor when he was younger. Now he's got Elnor, who sees him as a father figure, definitely. Hugh, I think, in a little way, saw him a bit as, as a father figure. Certainly, uh, Dodge, and uh, he felt, I'm sure, very saddened when somebody who came to him for help, the daughter of, in a way, one of his best friends, he couldn't help. So now he's trying to help the other one in a sort of paternal way. I think that may have been why he went to the Rikers, because they are the only couple he knows that are parents. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he and needs to learn how to be a parent. Yeah. Well, you're right. And, it, you know, I, I think back to something that we've talked about on Mission Log, which is the um, the incredible number of orphans on Star Trek. Oh, yeah. And, yes, there is the, the tragedy there of Thaddeus passing, which I didn't get into detail in the recap because I'm assuming that everybody watched it and they're putting all those pieces together anyway. Um, but despite that, you have this loving, functional family <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, who are a delight to be around. Um, so it, that that is a rarity for Star Trek, and certainly it is a rarity for Picard. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head there that he's he, he's got to go find some place that expresses this thing that he doesn't know that he doesn't exactly. And yeah, he's he's got all the other. Uh, all the other qualities that we've seen, but that one is, I think, one of the reasons why he's still unable to to break out of the brusque arrogance that that uh, that they called him on, right? Yeah, because yeah. he doesn't have those paternal feelings, right? Right. But nope. maybe he will. Yeah. Well, and and also, you know, uh, being in the position that he is, you know, he's just had very little opportunity for people to put him in his place. Right. I mean, nothing he has like a nothing like a teenager <laughs> put you in your place. And and also like it's a no safe, doubt. you know, nobody's going to question you that much when you're the one in charge. So Yeah, yeah his his uh, wonderful uh, Tal Shiar companions back home were um, not about to treat him as a father figure, I don't think. Uh, yeah. A savior of them, or at least some of the race, perhaps. But that's different. That's uh, that's more hero worship than mm-hmm. treating him like a father. So, and he didn't, you know, he left himself uh, very isolated, completely isolated from so much of society that I don't think he's had much opportunity to interact with much of anybody, much less children, in all this time. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. It's, it's kind of a wonderful thing. I'm just thinking now to sort of reflect on our own lives and think about, Hey, do we have, are we, are we keeping ourselves safe by not having people around to challenge us? Cause I, I, I certainly think there's times in my life where I've, where that's been the case. Uh, it's hmm. not now, but <laughs> <laughs> you mean but, on this show at this very moment? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You can always count on Champion to keep me uh, in check. Um, no, no, but like, but you know, it's like there's there's things that we do to not challenge ourselves. Whether it's oh, you know, we're scared of falling in love, so we don't date, for instance, or or you know, we don't want anybody to challenge us on certain ways of thinking that don't serve us. So if somebody does, we go, Oh, that person's toxic and just get rid of them when actually they're not. And you know, I think there's a lot of things we keep ourselves safe and don't challenge ourselves to be around people who can call us on our, on our shortcomings. Good call. Good call. Absolutely. I mean, he was uh, disappointed in the most fundamental way possible by the thing that he identified himself the most tightly to. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. And they let him down. So he took his toys and went home. Yeah. Exactly. What else, man? Uh, any, uh, any other thoughts before we uh, see what our next caller has to offer? Uh, just one. Yeah, please. K- Kazinti. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Man, uh, if only we had gotten a 21st century CG fully rendered uh, orange and pink uh, fish cat 
I would have been so happy. <laughs> Wait. I would love that. What are uh-huh. you guys talking about? I'm missing okay. something. So right, the it, it, are from Niven. They are a, a creation of Larry Niven in his known space universe that he, uh, he wrote uh, one, one episode of the animated series, which was the, uh, the slaver weapon, uh, which is about the Kazinti, which are giant fish, not, not fish cats. We, you, you in the show have always called them fish cats. They're just big cats. Yeah. They have a little cats. bit of fish like stuff yeah. on for the ears, <laughs> but they're another alien race. That's really hostile and really nasty. And they only get showed up in the animated series. So but there's that one out. mention that Riker has in this episode about having some problems with the Kazinti and it's just a throwaway oh. line. But I just, I was picturing like that, that 1973 filmation, you know, 12 frames a second, uh, beautiful Star Trek animation, hoping, hoping that we would see the Kazinti. <laughs> so cool. So, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe this, one day. Oh, 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 he's got it. There you go. That is a. Oh, my God. That's a Kazin. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Thank too, you for too sharing. Too cool. See, sure. it just went right over my head. I didn't, it didn't remember it himself. No, that's fine. That's yeah. Fine. It's All one right. of those great moments where, where you just get to, to pick from this long, complex history of Star Trek and just drop in just one word that makes those fans who knew the animators go, ah, yeah, ah yeah. We're, we're on the same page here. That's yep. cool. So great. Absolutely. All right. Hey, well, I will let more folks get in here. All right. Always great to talk to you, too, and uh, hopefully too. do it again soon. Likewise, man. You know where to find us. All right. Till next time. Good night. Take Bye. care. And, uh, hey, we'll just get right to it. We've got Egan, who is patiently standing by. Egan, welcome to the show. Hey there, John Areka. How's it going this evening? Good. Whoa, How are wait. you? Where are you? Oh, uh, you know, John, I just thought I'd take this uh, call from Orbit today. You know, I just beamed <laughs> up to uh, the space station. You is know, Rekha no with you? Because she doesn't know where she is. Yeah, I don't know oh, where I am. I'm not sure. If, uh, I'll have to run down the hall and see if there's anybody on the other cubes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, uh, that's awesome, man. You um, thank you for your service uh, and for doing science two hundred miles above uh, the surface of the Earth. We thank we you. do what we got to do. And you know, by the way, I you know, dressed up a little bit for you guys this evening. I know. I looked thank like a schlub last week. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. We appreciate the effort you put in this time. You went to space and you wore a shirt. Well, you know, when it's mission log o'clock, you uh, you have to you have to suit up. Log you are o'clock. really stepping up your game. Thank you. It, that yeah. has not gone unnoticed. Uh, what Appreciate what, that, John. Uh, what is on your mind so from <laughs> uh, from so far above us? Well, uh, I missed the first caller because I couldn't hear too well. So if I retread something, just tell me. I'll move on. I got plenty of notes because it was an amazing <laughs> episode. No problem. Uh, I'll I'll just start off with. Um, uh, I rewatched the last episode just because I, the caller last last week said something about um, something in the uh, the subtitles being in just before Picard, mm-hmm. you know, beamed out. Right. He was absolutely right. I checked, and there is a line there. I'll find you again. To, right. Uh, oh. to, to yeah, that was that was super cool to see that there was a line cut, um, uh, and uh, you know, it, it has a lot of heartfelt meaning um, that Picard will not let this happen again. That's great. Unfortunate the line yeah. got caught itself, but it was just neat that it is there. Um, uh, actually, what I want to talk about for this week's episode is the the line uh, with Riker and Deanna, stay as long as you want. We can handle it. Um, and he's talking to the house, getting the shields going, get the scan going. This, I kind of want to see this house be tested. Yeah. Uh, I want to yeah. see it, like, take yeah. off into the sky. <laughs> I mean, I want Deanna into a and planet. Riker and their daughter to be safe, of course. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, the whole time, I was like, um... Yeah, I want to see this badass house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like the ultimate expression of how we use uh, Alexa or Siri or something like that right. uh, when he's just giving commands. I mean, first of all, it's absolutely perfect because it's Jonathan Frakes giving commands in the Riker voice, just like he's on the Enterprise. But yep. it's also like sort of where we are in our heads every time we tell our device to turn our lights on. <laughs> or yeah. or yeah. play some music or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Super fun. Too cool. Um, the other thing I was going to mention is uh, the head tilt uh, that yes. Soji does. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I don't know if everybody was paying that close attention, but uh, yeah, you know, she does the head tilt. Um, Unmistakable. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't mind admitting I uh, I choked up a little bit just just on that little Aww. moment. That's a neat like actor's choice. 
Uh, I saw the little, uh, uh, you know, the after show that Will Wheaton hosts and uh, uh, Brent Spiner was there and he asked, uh, Will Wheaton asked Brent Spiner, you know, did you guys hang out? Did you talk about that? And he's like, no, uh, she got that, she did that all on her own just by watching yeah. Next Generation a whole lot. So oh, how cool. super cool uh, that, you know, that level of detail, both from director, actor, writer, you know, everybody just, awesome. um, but I did, think we've been seeing that kind of quality on the show the whole time. Did you catch her doing that? earlier in the season no um and <laughs> i actually i, I want to go back and see if if it is there but i kind of felt like maybe it was one of those things that happened after she's been activated um but that I'm was my thought if, too is john leading us down a direction that he already knows i will tell you exactly where it happens um when the uh, the scene when narek takes Soji to, uh, to to slide around the hallway. And he says, like, oh, it's this ancient Borg ritual. And she says, the Borg don't have rituals. And, uh, you know, and it's a kind of smoke-filled corridor. And they start sliding and having a great time. As he's walking down the corridor with her, and she's questioning where are they going, and uh, the Borg, she does it. And she's a few yeah. steps behind him. So it's not just, like, front and center the way it was here. And the lighting clearly is a lot darker. Mm. She does it. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I will have to go back and check that out. It's really cute. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, anything else during tonight, Egan, before we uh, the, uh, see who's up? The last thing I'll mention is, because there are plenty of folks uh, in there, uh, I'll just mention um, I love how Riker gave uh, Picard his confidence back. I feel like we've seen this whole season has been about shaking Picard up. You know, he's off his game. Um, uh, he's vulnerable. Uh, but right at the end, they're sitting there on the lake, um, and he's and he says, you know, thanks what for what? Well, a lot of things, but specifically for not talking me out of this. And it's well, talking you out of things is always a losing uh, proposition, <laughs> and you can see it in Picard's eyes at that moment. He's he's ready. He's ready for what's next. There were so many, and I, I forgive me because I, I haven't sort of done the deep dive into this the, the way that I do uh, regular mission log, like really paying attention to writers, directors, etc. But this episode had so many just like perfectly framed and perfectly expressed moments. And that was surely one of them, just them sitting on that bench on the little pier over the lake so amazing and and not overdone not overwritten which always drives me insane in a show um and going all the way back to the scene when uh picard first walks into the house and it's just Riker turning around seeing picard there framed again perfectly they go in for this beautiful hug and I, I love the uh, the flower that ends yeah. up all over Picard's back when yeah. Riker takes his hand away. Just yeah. so many great little details. And, and you can tell this was crafted with a lot of care and yeah. attention for every single shot. And thank um, goodness clothes can be replicated. Yes, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Take care, man. Uh, great hearing from you as always, and we'll see you again soon. Hey, I, I good luck getting back to Earth. Uh, if you're planning on that within the next week, I don't know. There's a there's a beaming schedule. It'll be okay. Thanks. Okay. All right. Cool. We'll open that. up a transporter yeah. window for you. All right. Cool. Let me know thank if you. you find me. Yeah, I will. I'll check. <laughs> okay. there. I heard. I heard echo. Okay. <laughs> cool. Good idea. Good. Take care. Bye. Bye. Oh man, uh, so many people waiting. I, I guess we, we just gotta go right through it. We got uh, we got yep. Jeff. Who? Oh no, wait, wait. I think nope. we we lost Jeff. Next we have Rhea. Oh, it's time for the pack led pajama party. Yes, yeah. it is again. <laughs> hey Rhea, what's up? <laughs> hey. Whoa, well, wait. Charles Napier is on the yes. TV behind you. I have to step up my game, you know, like Egan here. And uh, <laughs> guess what episode just happens to be on? It's last week's mission log. Just happens to be little green men. That is awesome. That is so, anyway, so cool. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not quite the grease ball lying in bed like usual, but anyway. <laughs> Stop it. What uh, what is up tonight? What's happening? Well, a couple things. I mean, first of all, what, what you guys were just talking about, so many little moments, little details. I love all mm -hmm. the subtle little callbacks. The Kazindi, Thad, Thad Riker, that was Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what else was there? Oh, when they first landed on Nepenthe, um, it was it, it kind of echoed the scene from Family when Picard first goes to Labar and he's met by his nephew who leads him to the house. Oh, of course, yeah. 
you know, I have to start taking notes because there are like a couple other things too. Um, but now I don't remember. <laughs> but I, I'm afraid I'm going to be a little Miss Debbie Downer, Pakla Downer here because there's one thing that kind of is starting to drive me a little crazy. Okay, lay it on us. Lay it, that, that this is uh, exactly the kind of show where we want to have this type of conversation. They keep killing everyone, okay? I mean, oh. Hugh was the final straw for me. You yeah. know, Dodge, um, Thad, and the whole Thad thing with he happened to have this disease that could only be cured by, you know, growing, you know, culturing the cells in a positronic matrix, which just happened to be banned. I mean, we don't need any more motivation. And we, you know, do we need to keep torturing all our people? I mean, are they going to bring Jordy back so they can kill him too? Mm. You know, mm. can they kill Michael Burnham while they're at it? But <laughs> sorry, Rick, I don't like Michael Burnham. Um, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> anyway, just well, we'll have to get into that later. <laughs> Put a pin in that. I'm so curious. But, uh, I, bad I'm enough, but Hugh. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. am so glad you said that because I was so bummed out about Hugh dying that I didn't even, I, I didn't even write it down. Hmm. it's not in my notes. I was like, I wanted to put in my notes, but I was like, this sucks. I didn't even write yeah. anything. You know, the, there was an interview that got posted. I, I was bummed out uh, as well because, yeah, we, we had just killed off Icheb, which uh, served obviously a very important motivational character point for Seven. So yeah. we, we got that moment. Um, and then with Hugh, I felt like, okay, well, we're all pulling for Elnor. He's this pure of heart, a uh, very talented guy who who we hope will save the day and uh, obviously wants to save Hugh, wants to save his friend here. Um, and we don't want to see Elnor hurt either. Um, the the death of Hugh really bothered me. And then I, I watched an interview that Jonathan Del Arco did uh, from the cruise last week. Mm-hmm. And hearing him talk about it as an actor, just saying like, it was a moment that had meaning, you know, uh, his death had meaning and purpose and we got to see the character grow. Like hearing him talk about it made me feel a little better. Not that I don't still want him on the show and want him to be around, mm-hmm. but it, it, it felt like, you know, it didn't just feel like something that was tossed in because they needed to toss in another death because, Oh, we got to, you know, oh, we're, we're running up against the half hour mark. We've got to kill somebody off to keep raising <laughs> yeah. the stakes. So, yeah, would I have rather they not? Sure. But then I was kind of satisfied to hear him say, it's okay. Like, it, it meant something to me. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, it yeah. Makes sense we, to him from the, yeah. the point of the story. I mean, it, it, yeah, I can see that a bit more than some other deaths. Rick, sure. I mean, you can speak to this better than anybody. You've died twice on the same show. <laughs> yeah, I, and I hate it. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Um, and and uh, I'm like, it's hard to, yeah, I don't even know what to say. I'm too close to it, man. You, you are. <laughs> too close. Too, too real. Too but real. Yeah, but it does, it does feel terrible when it doesn't really serve uh, a larger point in the story so that I, so I hope that it does, as you said, you know, with each that, that was so pivotal to that moment of seven coming in and, and, and the whole fight, like to me, it, it represents not just one thing, but many things in the story. Yeah. So I felt somewhat satisfied with it, even though it was terrible. Um, so I hope that I will end up feeling that way about this one. I'm not there yet. Yeah. I, I do wonder, though, I mean, you know, Reka and I were talking earlier about sort of, it's like the mechanics of writing a TV show today, where, you know, oh, we have to have this type of character, we have to have this type of character, we have to reach this point at this minute mark in an episode or this midpoint in a season. And there are a lot of things where it just feels like, even as talented a writer as you have, or multiple writers you have, Uh, it's almost like there are certain rules you have to follow. And I feel like one of those that we keep running up against now, not just in Star Trek, but we happen to be talking about Picard because that's our show. Um, You get to a point where it's like, okay, well, we need to raise the stakes. We better kill somebody. And it seems like there are definitely other ways to raise stakes without just constantly going to that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, I I expect it in some places. I expect it in a James Bond movie, but then that's two hours every three or four years, yeah. as opposed to week after week after week, where it's like, oh, okay, well, we, we have to keep your attention and surprise you and make you feel like we've raised the stakes again. So I don't, I don't really have a good answer for that. Like, what do they do instead? But that's why I'm not a TV writer. Um, <laughs> you can get in touch with my agent, find out if uh, he can book me somewhere. So we'll see. I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this a step further and jump mm-hmm. on this negative Nelly bandwagon and, uh, <laughs> and talk about, you know, the start of this episode, there was one thing that really didn't sit with me well. And like it took, first of all, you brought up a good point about this, this moment between Commander O and Dr. Gerardi. Uh, okay. Are those even skills that, that a mind meld can do to show the future. Mm. I feel like that's Commander O's vision mm. mm-hmm. that she inflicts upon this, uh, you know, <laughs> unlikely victim. Um, <laughs> um, but also, like, she buys it immediately, and I and I don't yeah. like that. I'm like, it feels like again, like a device, like a a writing device. And I know these writers are doing great work. And so I don't mean to nitpick, but that moment just was like, are you kidding me? Okay. She got afraid of a vision. And so she's a scientist. Yeah. How is, how is she not going to use any of her entire mode of being scientific method to like figure out and make a decision for herself? Granted, she's very emotionally swept up, but I'm like, okay, you want this to be her motivation for why she does terrible things. I get it. Could you have worked a little bit harder? Yeah. Well, that yeah. was another parallel I kind of saw because that scene was so similar to the scene from Star Trek VI, the very disturbing one where Spock mm. basically mind violates Valeris. Um, even, you know, the, the two-handed mind meld and everything. Um, so, I, I don't know. I guess that's in my head canon is, oh, forced... You know, whatever yeah. it was, it wasn't a consensual, you know, vision sharing experience there. Yeah. No. But see, and, and but this it's, is it's also like she can't tell the future. Like she doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it, this is and one I of those like things. Doc should know that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Gerardi uh, should have a little bit of skepticism, a little bit of her scientific mind kick in and say, uh, I don't know you. I don't know how you know this. And I don't know why you're showing me. And but she it, should know something about her species and the fact that, you know, like nobody knows that they can do that. Uh, right. Sure. Sure. But I, I will say this, though. I love giving that depth to what Agnes is going through. Like, you, I, you know, I agree. But, I agree. Because yeah, part I, of it, the motivation for why yeah. she's doing these terrible things. If but, she were just suddenly a bad guy, that mm-hmm. would be terrible. But but to yeah. actually give a lot of emotional weight to where she is, I think, is fascinating. Uh, Rhea, any other comments tonight or thoughts before we uh, hop on to another call? Nope. Let's. We'll go through the line here. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I feel certain that we will see you again soon. Uh, you can't get rid of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be sorry at all. A good problem. You're always welcome <laughs> on Mission Log Live. Uh, we will see you again soon. All right. Bye bye. So it looks like standing by uh, on a phone tonight, we have Ed. So, uh, Ed, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for uh, taking my call. Uh, first of all, John, I'm a longtime listener of the podcast, and Reka, love your TV work, and really happy to see you join the Mission Log crew. Well, Thanks, well, Ed. Yeah, thank you from both of us. That is awesome. Really appreciate it. And uh, what is on your mind tonight about uh, Picard? Yeah, so so far, I'm really enjoying the show. I, I grew up in the watching TOS episodes, part of the TNG generation. Um, what I wanted to build on is the ever-growing discussion on basically Picard's portrayal in the show, especially starting from episode one. It's become an ever, I think, increasingly divisive conversation. 
There are fans that really love where the writers are taking his character arc. There are those who are like, not my Picard. Why is this guy not the Picard I remember? Mm. And uh, you guys have been discussing this, of course, you know, every episode with other callers. And with every episode, I think they drop more information. I think that kind of builds more of the picture. And I just kind of want to give my take, kind of building upon what you guys have already covered in the past, uh, especially focusing on why did Picard seemingly just give up and abandon his attempt to uh, rescue all the Romulans after being stonewalled by the by Starfleet and the Federation? So, kind of my my take on it is that by the time that uh, the Romulan supernova happened and they're getting making plans to evacuate all the Romulans, by then I think Picard, the character in the show, was already at the peak of his powers, prestige, status in the Federation. I mean, he was, everybody knew him and everybody, and everybody probably thought he could do anything because he saved Galaxy countless times in the past. And sure. I think at that point that the, the card, the character, he started buying into his own myth that the card, the man started to get kind of get confused with the card, the legend and the myth everyone saw him as. And I think at that point where he thought he could command the greatest rescue fleet, of the uh, of the galaxy, and and pull off the impossible. The first moment where the Federation basically says no, I think that's where his ego, his hubris, everything started to catch up with him. And part of the reason I think he gave up is because he thought, well, if I can't save the whole galaxy, then I can't do anything. And I think he kind of ends up going this downward spiral where, you know, it's like once you can't do one thing, you're just you lose your motivation, you fall off the rails, and then he just started going to this uh, downward spiral of, I think, self-pity. And uh, the more he had the self-pity, the less he wanted to crawl out of it. That's, that's kind of my take. Uh, I, I have no disagreement with your take at all. You know, he had that great line in a previous episode where he said he let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Yeah. And twice now he has been called out uh, for his hubris and arrogance. And mm-hmm. it, certainly when Riker says it, I, he, he's not saying it with hatred. Mm-hmm. He's saying it to a friend who he understands. Um, but it, it is that sort of feeling that here, here has been a guy who has basically won at everything that he has done. And like James T. Kirk, gets to pat himself on the back for his ingenuity uh, after he solves a problem and gets to walk away from it. Um, but here was this ultimate test where he couldn't just win the day and pat himself on the back. Um, instead, something was beyond his control. And what does that do to a guy who, as we've been talking in this entire episode of Mission Log Live, who has not had this strong emotional family support, who has not had these deep personal bonds, who just sort of has his position and then gets to decide who does what under him. Uh, So I, I think this is fully in step with where a character could, I mean, any anybody's open to interpret a character however they want, but this is certainly a way that this could, and in this case has gone for this guy after 20 years. Yeah. And um, I I agree with you. And I think that what's great about this story is that it starts out with Picard who's basically completely broken down. And now he's just starting to rediscover who Picard the man is and realize that he doesn't have to be a hero that has to save the whole galaxy. He just has to be someone who can save one girl. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who, who happens to be one girl mm-hmm. who is hunted by a uh, fearsome and horrific uh, Romulan kill force. But, you know, <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's yeah, beside absolutely. the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, anything else for us tonight? I know we've got one more caller hanging on. Uh, Ed, any other thoughts uh, on uh, tonight's yeah, show? Just a, yeah. yeah, just a quick thought. So I don't think... There's going to develop on this a lot in this series, but now that we know that the card has been renewed for a second season, I think that that unnamed neurologic condition that he's been diagnosed with is going to play a bigger part in the Picard storyline. And I think there's already been a lot of hints as to that already kind of affecting the things he says, his judgment, his actions, things like that. That's all I'll oh. say for now. Oh, okay. Well, and uh, Reka, you know one of the people who's now working on it. So, uh, yeah. Right. Um, 
always yeah, I, never there, have any information that I can share with public, but uh, <laughs> no, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but, but no, there, there was that uh, point in this week's episode where uh, I, I believe it's right. I remember it's Will or Niana who says something about his condition. So yes. it's like the, the news has spread fast or Diana is reading this off of him. I and think now, she's reading it off of him. Yeah. 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 So it, it, it's serious. And there's just been these little, ever since we introduced that idea, these little references mm-hmm. to what is going on with Picard. And I, and I do hope that that plays a bigger part in the next season. We'll have to see. Yeah. Me too. Ed. Okay. Well, thank- that's all I got to say. And thank uh, you. yeah, great talking to you and keep up the great work. Oh, thank you, you so too. much, Ed. Please call back, okay? Okay, definitely. All right, take care. Uh, Reka, we did it. We're, we're down to our last call, and I'm so glad that Karen called in Woo-hoo. because she is going to bring this home <laughs> with Bunnycorn Gate. Bunnycorn Gate! Right. <laughs> yes, yes, Bunnycorn Gate. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Karen. Good to hear Hello. from you. Tell us everything. Well, it's just funny. It's just something that struck me that I, I was like, oh, my gosh, you got to bring up Bunny Corngate. <laughs> because, of course, we have people who are upset that, of course, the, Riker, the Troy Rikers are eating real meat. Because Will made this big statement in Lonely Among Us, as you recall, saying how oh. we have evolved beyond, you know, eating live flesh and enslaving animals, yada, yada. But I'm like, okay, but remember... This is the guy that was really excited to have real eggs to cook that turned out so bad that only Worf liked them. <laughs> but, and then we also had O'Brien. He was raised on meat. Right. And Archer, they had real meat. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I just think it's an inconsistency in this show. And maybe Riker mm. was just kind of feeling his oath and he was so disgusted with, I mean, you know, these people wanted to eat each other. <laughs> but um, you know, I think it's Gah. Once he started having to eat Gah with the Klingons, it was like a gateway food. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's it. That is my head cannon for why he's eating bunny corn. <laughs> nice. I look, I, I just figured, yeah, it was as simple as uh he had all these high ideals. Um, that he stuck with and preached about for so long. And that was before he tasted real bunny corn. And then he was That's like, right. whoa, I have been missing out. I am going to have bunny corn every day if I can now. So, and that, and <laughs> he lucky has, them. He has a, he has See, a Ronco bunny corn sausage maker. <laughs> yeah, right. I thought it was, you know, uh, more about like living a, real life like they're not mm-hmm. using replicators and so back i to think that is exactly what it is and yes. because uh, of course everything yeah. is regenerative because of the soil and everything exactly right and they happen to move to a place that is just lousy with bunny corn so uh <laughs> they look if they don't their house is just going to be swarmed with those little bastards <laughs> uh, all the time. I mean, they, they will not know what to do. Uh, it, yeah, they, they have to. They have to. That, that's part of the contract. When you move to Nepenthe, if you buy a house, they're like, okay, you can have the house. You've got to take out X number of these every day <laughs> or else you're gone. And we're going to move a Klingon family in instead. Or, or, or I, I thought it was going to be like death by bunny corn. Like it was... <laughs> You know. Oh my God! A Klingon family in that very bucolic setting with like going after bunny corn—hilarious. <laughs> I see a spinoff. Yeah, yeah. There are some <laughs> who might love it. I'm sure. I uh, yeah. Hey, any? Uh, well, well, thank you for that. Oh, and uh, Earl, of course, says that uh, they are totally worse than giant tardigrades. Yes. So. <laughs> you would know. Killer you bunnies. Would, yeah. Yeah, I bet. Front teeth. <laughs> <laughs> run away! Run away! Run away. Karen, thank you it's so. Twitching. <laughs> thank you so much for closing out with uh, with Bunny Corn Gate. Uh, really appreciate it, and uh, and I hope that you will call back. A- any other uh, parting shots uh, for us before we say good night? Oh no, no! I just had to get the Bunny Corn Gate in there. Thank you. <laughs> okay, really do appreciate it. Thank you, and and please call back, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. Okay. 
All right. Will do. All right. Cheers. Take care. Hey, uh, we made it and we still have like maybe one minute left. So, uh, Reka, I will just ask you to tell everybody where to find all the other RPN shows, if you would, please. I I would be glad to. We have, uh, well, this show. Yeah. Yes. And the not live version of it, just mentioned Bob. There's also Priority One Podcast, which is a magazine-style show featuring all the happenings in the Star Trek multiverse. You can join them for their live show Tuesday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. We have Women at Warp. We love those women, and they warp and a look at Star Trek through a feminist lens. And I like that lens. The Trek Files. I like Larry Nemechek, too. He's just the greatest. There's so much to like here. Yeah. And he does a weekly deep dive into the Roddenberry archive. Boom. Uh, poetry. <laughs> Daily Star Trek news is yet another one. And just like it sounds, it is your dose, daily dose of Star Trek, all the news that fits in just about 10 minutes. And then finally, we got Shabam! Shabam! It entertains, it educates, give them a listen. You can subscribe to all of them at podcast.roddenberry.com. Well, well said. Thank you very much. And with that, the only thing left to say is that Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live is by the inimitable Earl Green. Be sure to visit the podcast network at podcast.roddenberry.com for all of those shows that Ray mentioned. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you to everyone who joined us live. And there were many of you. We really appreciate it. Great comments, great questions. Thank you for joining us live or all of you who joined us later. And we will talk to you next week. Yay! Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.